wonderful, wonderful job leading us into the presence of the Lord today. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. All right. All right. Open your Bibles today, this morning, if you would please, to the book of Mark, the Gospel of St. Mark, and um, uh, chapter number 8, of the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 8. Praise God. Praise God. The message that I'm going to preach, the text that I'm going to preach from today, and the message I'm going to deliver is probably not the most popular message. I know you're shocked that I would preach something like that. That wouldn't be the most popular, but uh, probably is not the most popular message that anyone could preach. But nevertheless, what I'm going to share with you today is directly from the Word of God from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you this morning on the thought, on the subject of the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. The Lord has called us to not not to make converts, but to make disciples. And there's a big difference in just a convert and a disciple. The disciple is a learner, a follower of the Lord. Someone who has been being taught and is learning from uh, how to be more like Jesus. And so um, there is a cost. And I know that today that, uh, you know, there's an easy believism that is out there. And uh, you don't hear very much about counting the cost anymore or what it costs to be a Christian or what it costs to be a disciple. But what I'm, going to, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is some important, something very important. Because this is what Jesus said was required if you and I are going to follow Him. This is what He said is required. He didn't say in this text that I'm going to read that it's something that, that well, if you feel like it or if you want to, but this is something that Jesus said was required of all of us. I know we don't like, you know, we don't like today, we don't, we're living in a culture and in an age that doesn't like to be anybody to require anything of them. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're living in the day now where we're being told that, hey, don't worry, you get me in office, everything's going to be free. You don't have to do anything. And so, you know, nobody wants to be required to do anything. But I'm going to tell you, you know, your salvation is free, but there are still requirements to being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will cost us something to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to be one of His disciples. And now that I've got your attention and got you all excited and built up, I'm going to read my text from John, from John, from Mark, from Mark chapter number Number 8, beginning with verse number 34 through the end of the chapter, verse 34 through 38. And when Jesus had called the people to Him with His disciples, so now He's not just talking to His, His twelve, but there's a crowd that is gathered around Him now. And so He's addressing everybody, everybody that was there. 
um, at this particular time. And so he says, he says, um, he said to them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. You know, when we were kids, remember the old saying, you know, finders keepers, losers weepers. Well, this is losers keepers. When it, when it, it's altogether different in the kingdom of God. So in order, in order to find your life, the life of Christ, you've got to lose your life. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, how many whosoever's we got here? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Father, add your blessing and anointing. Help us to minister your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. For the last two Sundays... We have looked at this at a conversation that Jesus um, had with his disciples. It was a conversation that he was carrying on with the twelve. And remember what he asked them a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how that he said, "Who who does everybody say that I am? Who do men say that I am?" And um, say they said, "Well, you know, some are saying that you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and some say you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets." And so then Jesus made it personal to them and he said, well, who do you say that I am? And remember we talked about that question. That's the, probably the most important question ever given in the Word of God because every one of us will have to answer that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter uh, spoke right up and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter makes that bold proclamation that Jesus is in fact, the Christ. But then Jesus, we talked about last week, how Jesus then took the conversation in a direction that they were not expecting. And he began to talk to them about what was going to happen to him. And this was the first time he began to, to, to reveal to them about how he's going to have to go to the cross and he's going to die and he's going to be buried and then the third day he's going to rise again. And they didn't understand that. And remember, you can get the tape from last week, but you can, you can find out, you know, remember how that they, they thought he was going to set up the kingdom right then. He's going to overthrow Rome. So they didn't want to hear about him dying and going to a cross and being crucified and being killed. That was foreign to their beliefs. And so it didn't fit in to their vision for the future. And Peter just quickly grabbed the Lord and turned him around and said, Lord, no, 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 don't talk about that. And see, he's rebuking, uh, Peter's rebuking him for speaking about the cross. But Peter was then rebuked by the Lord. And the Lord 
confronted him and told, confronted his response and, and, and said, what did he say? Get behind me, Satan. You don't save the things that are of God, but the things that are of man. And so, so they didn't understand all this. They're trying to wrap their minds around all this. Jesus is trying to prepare them for what he's going to do uh, in, a, in, in just a few months at the cross. And they're, they're trying to wrap their minds around all that the Lord Jesus had told them. But then Jesus, he drops another bombshell on them. He reveals to them now another very startling truth. And that truth is found in verse 34. And, and, and he's, he reveals to them that serving Him is going to come at a cost for everyone who will choose that path. Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Listen to this. Let him deny himself. There's no exceptions. He said, this is for whosoever will come after me, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now these very words that Jesus spoke, they, they strike a death blow. They strike a death blow to the cheap, easy, feel-good religion that's being passed off today as Christianity. I mean, this is co totally contrary to what a lot of people are being taught about being a Christian today. Jesus plainly reveals here and plainly says that it does cost something to be His disciple, to be a disciple of the Lord. You know, Jesus... When, when you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, Jesus is a public relations manager's worst nightmare. Amen? Because every time Jesus would, would begin to attract a large crowd, then he would finally, you know, he would tell them, um, he would tell them about the high cost of following him, and then the crowds would dwindle down. At this particular time, the closer Jesus got to the cross, the less the following was that he had. And so the more he talked about the cost of discipleship, the crowds would diminish and get lower and lower. He was not, Jesus was not a very good seeker sensitive church growth pastor. All right? I mean, even the rich young ruler, you know, came to him wanting to know, what can I do? to inherit eternal life. And I mean, I'm sure the disciples was thinking, oh boy, we got to get him in the church. This dude's got some money. He's rich and Jesus didn't let him off the hook either. What did Jesus tell that rich young ruler? He said, well, if you want to have life, keep the commandments. He said, oh, I've done all that. And he said, well, which, what, you know, what are they? And Jesus told him, he said, I've done all that. And Jesus said, okay, then if you want to be my disciple, you go and sell everything you've got, give everything to the poor, and then you come and you follow after me. And what, remember what the Bible said about that? It said that he turned and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. He didn't want to sell out everything for the Lord Jesus. So Jesus is not letting him in some easy way. And that's not what's being taught in the majority of the church world today. 
Amen. So Jesus, you know, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that it wouldn't be cheap and it wouldn't be easy to be one of his disciples. And, and so he, he, he gives them in this text, in this passage, he gives to them a mandate for service to the Lord. We don't like to hear that word either, a mandate. This is not a suggestion that Jesus is giving, and, uh, but it's a, it's a command. It's a mandate. He's telling them, if you want to be my disciple, this is what it's going to be required of you. And the very first thing that he says there in that 31st verse, 34th verse, he says, whosoever will come after me. You notice that. Whosoever will come after me. So the first thing is, there's a, in following the Lord, there's a decision that is involved in following the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. And every single one of us have to make that decision. It clearly involves, following the Lord clearly involves a personal choice on each and every one of our behalves. We're not going to heaven because our parents are saved. We're not going to heaven because we've been brought to church or raised in church and our mom and dad love the Lord or our grandparents love the Lord. Every single one of us, if we're going to be saved, we all, every one of us have to make that personal choice and decision for ourselves. Jesus said that it's whosoever will come after me. That word will means whosoever desires, whosoever resolves or is determined. So it's a deliberate choice that everyone has to make to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And the call, and notice the, the call is to whosoever will. It's not just to a select few. It's not just to the elect. It's not just to those certain ones that are chosen. But Jesus said that it's to whosoever will. So everybody's given the opportunity to make the choice to follow Jesus or not to follow Jesus. Are you with me this morning? That's a personal choice we'll have to make. So Jesus here, what, he's, what this call involves, his, it, this is a call to salvation. It's a call to the, new, to the new birth, but it's also a call to make a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a call that Jesus is giving to these individuals and to us here today to turn our backs on everything else and to go after Jesus as our one and our only Lord and Savior. See, let me tell you something this morning. Salvation, true salvation. Let me throw that in there. True salvation, real salvation. And there's only one true salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ and through what he did at the cross. But true salvation is making a radical commitment to leave the old life behind and to follow Jesus with a total brand new life. Jesus does not save us in our sin and leave us in our sin, but thank God he saves us from our sin and brings us out of our sin and changes our life. It's a brand new life. 
see, the, it's called the new birth. How many knows? You know, we're calling back to basics again, but it's called being born again or being born from above. And Jesus told Nicodemus that, that, that you must be born again. He said, no one can, can, can see the kingdom of God unless that individual is born again or born from above. The new birth is about being made a new creature. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man, any person is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation, a new creature. See, listen, this is not just some form of easy believing that leaves that person unchanged. It's not just signing a card or raising a hand or shaking a preacher's hand and then going out and still continuing to live life as you did before. I'm talking about being a disciple of Jesus and following after Jesus, amen. It, it, does, it does something to your life. It's not an easy believism that leaves you unchanged. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ makes a total and a radical and a complete change in everybody's life who comes to him and follows after him. Can I get an amen in this church today? Woo, Hallelujah. See, it's a radical change. It makes true salvation makes a radical change in your life. Your desires will even change. Your habits will change. Your lifestyle will change. Everything that you once were, you are not anymore. Once you are born again, you are brand new, a brand new man, a brand new woman, a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. The old things have passed away and all things become new in your life. Amen. And it, 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 it demands a decision that we make. Jesus said here, whosoever will come after me. That's a call to the lost, number one, to be saved. Whosoever will come after me. He's calling the lost to come after him and to be saved. But that call is also... When he says, whosoever will come after me, this is also a call to the saved to follow him in total, absolute commitment to him, completely and totally sold out to him and committed to him. So basically, I'm talking and the Lord's talking to everyone in this congregation today because if you are not saved, he's calling you to come to him and make him the Lord of your life and be born again and become a, a child of God. If you already are saved, he's calling you to come to him in total commitment and sell out everything to follow him, hallelujah, all the way through your life and as long as you shall live. It's totally committed to the Lord. And that's what it's going to take, ladies and gentlemen, in these last days in which we live. This, this phony baloney of easy believism and all that is not going to hold up. It's not going to hold up in the last days. Jesus is calling the church to sell out and to follow him with all that is in their heart and in their life. Can I get an amen? So there's number one, a decision that is involved in being a disciple. You've got to make that decision to be saved and to commit to him totally. But here's where the rub comes in. Hallelujah. There's not only a decision that has to be made, but there's secondly, there's a denial 
that's involved. It's not been too shouty thus far, and it will probably be even less so as we continue on with these next few points. But Jesus said to be his disciple involved a denial. A denial of what? It said, let him, what did he say in that, in that 30, 34th verse? He said, let him deny himself. To deny himself. It means to disown or to forsake, to reject, to restrain, to just simply do without. That's what the word deny means. Now, listen to me, saints. These are, I'm not giving you fluff this morning. These are strong, strong words that were given by the Master. And what he's referring to here and what these words deny himself, uh, what, what he's referring to is these words carry the idea of subduing fleshly desires and disregarding what the flesh would have us to do and following what the Lord would have us to do. Now, now denying self is not the same as self-denial. There is a difference. Uh, self-denial can mean asceticism. A lot of people practice self-denial. People do especially at Lent, during the Lenten season. I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent. Or um, Some of the sillier ones I've heard, well, I'm going to give up beer for Lent. Well, you need to get saved and give up beer anyway. Praise God. But, but it's not just laying aside a few things. That's self-denial. That's asceticism. Denying yourself of some things. But, uh, but, but, but denying self in in the, in the respect that we're talking about means this. Here's what it means to deny yourself. It means that I stop trusting in my own power. I stop trusting in my own strength, my own ability, my own willpower and uh, to live for God and I depend totally and completely on the Lord Jesus Christ to get me through and to live his life in me. See, denying self is more than just laying aside a few bad habits or a few bad desires, but we have got to bring the whole of our being, all of our being into the subjection, into subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to, as believers, after we're born again, we must allow Jesus to rule and reign in my life. I have no will but his will. See, here's what denial of self, here's what, what denying self is. I have no will but his will. I have no plans but what his plans are. I have no wants but what he wants for me. And so I relinquish all control of my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and give him my all. Amen. I want to do his will. Not my will, but thy will be done in my life every single day of my life. Can somebody say amen today? See, this is what discipleship is all about. And there's too many... There's too many people sitting in the church pews today that are not true disciples of the Lord because they're still ruled by self. They're still controlled by the flesh. They're still controlled by their own desires. They've not surrendered and given up to follow Jesus fully and totally and completely. And this is the requirement, is it not? 
This is what Jesus said that he required. Well, they didn't like to hear this. Paul mentioned the same thing, you know, in 1 Corinthians 6 when he said, he said, don't you know that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives in you? He said that you've been bought with a price and you're not your own? How many people have you heard say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to set any regulations on my life. I'm my own man. I'm my own person. I do what I want to do. If you're, that's, that, you know, if you're unsaved, yeah, you do what you want to do. But I'm going to tell you, if you claim to be a child of God, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, you're not your own. You've been bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's living in you. And you must yield yourself and your will and your desires in your life totally and completely to the rule and the governing of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life if you want to be his disciple. Amen. Now that's not gonna build big congregations, but I tell you what it will do. It'll, it'll help you to be what Jesus wants you to be and make heaven your home. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Denying self means depending upon the Lord for everything. Now, Jesus is calling us to make that total commitment to his lordship. He wants absolute control of your life in every area of your life. I think I need to say that again. Jesus Christ wants absolute total control in every area of your life. As someone has said, Jesus wants full custody and not weekend visits. He wants all of you. He wants to control you. So there is a denial that's involved that you must deny yourself and your will and do His will and what He wants and wills. But not only is there a decision and a denial, but here's where it really starts getting rough. There's also a death that's involved. A death that's involved. Because he said, if anyone comes after me, deny himself. What was the next thing? You make the decision, you make the denial, but then there's the, second, there's the third thing. Take up his cross. Whew. This is the aspect of the cross that we don't understand. This is the aspect of the cross that we don't like to hear anything about because this is the part of the cross that that requires some, some suffering and death in your life. You gotta, before you can live, you gotta die. Oh, hallelujah. Ain't nobody in here helping me today. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a death involved. And so when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, now see, listen, you've got to understand the impact what he's saying is having on those people that are listening to him. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got you you to deny yourself and secondly, take up your cross and follow me. And he had just told them that he was going to the cross and he was going to die and he was going to be spit upon and all those things. And now he's telling them, if you want to be my disciple, you take up your cross. And I'll tell you, they knew exactly 
exactly what he was talking about because they, none of these people, like I said, there's a crowd gathered now and all of them knew, everybody there knew what the cross was. What was it? They were no stranger to the Roman crosses. They were not strangers to crucifixions. Oh, the Romans crucified over 30,000 people, uh, history tells us. There were crosses along the, 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 the byways everywhere. Thieves and robbers and people were hung on those crosses. It was always before them, the, the suffering and the death that took place on those crosses. The cross was, was probably it was a cruel instrument of death, probably the most cruel instrument of death that was ever, ever envisioned or thought of by a sinful man. But when, and so when they knew when a man or a woman, when anybody took up their cross, that that person was beginning a death march. When you took a cross, when you were carrying, anybody that was carrying a cross down the road, they knew that person was not coming back. That individual was not coming back. And that's what Jesus was telling them here. See, listen, listen, listen. We, we've had so many wrong ideas about what it means to take up our cross or to bear your cross. I mean, you know, we've been, you all have heard them before, you know, well, uh, people will refer to a sickness that they have or, well, that's just the cross that I have to bear. That's not what Jesus was talking about here. That's not what cross bearing is all about. Some people talk about a burden that they have or certain problems that they experience in life. Maybe they're, they're, they're living in poverty and they say, well, you know, just being broke and not having enough food and stuff. That's just a cross that, that I have to bear. Maybe it's a rebellious child or an abusive spouse. And people say, well, that's just my cross that I have to bear. That is, listen, are, are you hearing me? Got your ears on? That is not what Jesus was talking about when he said that you have to take up your cross. See, taking up the cross always involves death and it involves dying. In other words, Jesus is saying that if you want to be my disciple, you must die. Woo! Shout somebody. Now obviously he's not talking about literally hanging on a literal cross, climbing up on a piece of wood and being crucified. And some people have done that thinking that's what Jesus was talking about. But that's not what he was talking about. He's talking about the spiritual realm. That there is a cross, his cross, that we must die on that cross. That our life must die. Our, what are we dying to? Is anybody gonna help me this morning? What are we dying to? What has to die? Who has to die? You have to die. Your old man has to die. Self has to die. Your self-will has to die. You've got to die out to what you want and be raised up and walk in what he wants for you. That is the message of the cross. That is the, that's why the message of the cross is not, that's why people say we don't want no crosses in our church. We don't want nobody talking about the cross because the cross is past miseries. No, the cross is something that you have to go to every single day of your life, hallelujah. And be crucified and die every day. If you'll read this same text, the parallel passage, 
In Luke's gospel where Jesus was teaching the same thing, Jesus added the word daily to take up your cross daily and follow me. Not just every once in a while. It's not something that just happens one time when you get born again. And that's the thing today. People say, well, I, I got born again. I got saved. I joined the church. But there's no lifestyle change because they've not been to Calvary and their old man hadn't been crucified and the flesh and self-will still alive and it hadn't died. Come on, somebody. But this crucifixion, and it involves a death to self and a death to selfishness. That's what he's telling us we have to take up our cross. That's what the death is, is of. See, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy. I know, I know that you say, well, you think, a lot of us think, well, the greatest enemy that we have is the devil. If I were to ask, who's your adversary? Who's your, your, your greatest enemy? And you'd say, well, my greatest enemy is the devil. Some might say, well, my greatest enemy is somebody else. I work with. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you who your greatest enemy is. Is you. You look in the mirror. Self is your greatest enemy. And that's what has to be crucified is you. Yourself. And your self will. And that attitude that I'm going to do what I want to and nobody's going to tell me that's got to die or you cannot be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know this isn't popular preaching. I know it's hard preaching. But the cross isn't easy. There's no, there's no, you, you thank God for padded pews. There's no padding on the cross. It's painful to crucify that self. Because every day you have to deal with self. It's a result of the fall in the garden when when Adam fell and sinned before the fall, all that he had was God consciousness. They walked with God, communed with God in that garden in the cool of the day every day. Sweet fellowship. But when they sinned, Adam lost God consciousness. And you know what came alive? Self consciousness. So that's what Jesus had to deal with at Calvary. Yes, he atoned for our sin. Yes, his blood did atone for our sin. But through his death and the cross, and that's what so many people don't see, that he was, listen, when he hung on that cross and died, you hung there in, in him, in him. I was there in him. He was dying for me. He was being crucified in my place. So when I place my faith in him, in the mind of God, I'm there in Christ, buried with him, put on that cross, dying to sin, dying to myself, dying to the world. Praise God. And it happened when you got born again. The old man was crucified. The, the old life was put to death. What you were before you got saved, does that guy doesn't exist. That gal doesn't exist. That person died on the cross with Jesus and was put in a tomb. And at the resurrection, you came alive in him, a brand new man and a brand new woman. And that's what, that's what will be portrayed in the water baptism service tonight. Yeah, that all happened at the cross. But every day, 
preach, Brother Rick? Every day. Daily. To be his disciple, you must take up that cross, deny self, take up the cross. And that means a death to self, to sin every single day of our life. Self-will. Let me tell you something. I've got to close here in a minute. Y'all ain't used to getting out this early anyway. (laughs) Self-will is always, not sometimes, but self-will is always opposed to God's will. That's why self-will has to be crucified. That's why our life has to be hid with Christ in God. Paul said, writing to the church at Galatia, in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, in that crucifixion, in going to the cross, the, the power of the sin nature has been broken in your life. My old man and what I was has been crucified and I've been raised up and you've been raised up as a brand new man. And it's not by our power, not by our willpower, there's that self-denial, not by our ability, but it's Christ that lives in us. And so taking up your cross, looking to Jesus and what He did there to provide what we need, that's what taking up the cross is, is receiving the benefits. And as I said, Jesus said in Luke, it's something that has to be a daily decision, a daily decision to place your faith. It's no, 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 you're not, you're not getting saved every day, but you're coming to Jesus and to that cross every day to crucify self, to crucify self-will, to mortify the deeds of this body. And the only one that can crucify and mortify the deeds of your flesh is the Holy Holy Spirit in you and the only way he does that is when you come to the cross take up that cross because that is the place of death and resurrection and victory and power is in what Jesus has done at the cross Every day it has to be done. It's like the manna. You know, every day they had to gather fresh manna. Every day if they tried to get if they tried to get 2 days worth of manna in one day, it got wormy. Got a lot of wormy Christians. But the manna had to be gathered fresh every day. And that's the way with our commitment with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to believe every day for fresh benefits of the cross in our life on a daily basis. And I've said this before, but I've got to say it again, that everything that you need in your life, everything that you need from salvation, victory over sin, forgiveness, healing, deliverance, 
power at the Holy Ghost, everything that you need in this life to be victorious and be, be a successful Christian was all bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. It's already a done deal. It's sealed by the blood of the Lamb. But every day when you take up your cross, not only are you crucifying self and self-will, but when you take up the cross, you know what you're doing. You're receiving every day fresh manna, fresh benefits, the benefits that Jesus died for you to attain for you. You're receiving those benefits every single day of your life. Hallelujah. I need fresh. My victory yesterday won't do me today. My power yesterday won't do me today. I've got to have a fresh, fresh feeling and a fresh touch. Hallelujah. And a fresh victory. And it comes through daily walking with Jesus and going to the cross. Come on, give the Lord praise. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. There's a devotion. There's a denial. But the last thing here I want to touch on, I didn't get done, but I'm quitting, is that there's a devotion. There's a decision that's involved. There's a denial that's involved. There's a death that's involved in being a disciple. But then there's the decision that's involved, and that is to follow Jesus. Follow me, he said. To be a follower or a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The true disciple walks in total obedience. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this a couple times. Do you know that repetition is the, is the best teacher? I said repetition is the best teacher. I said repetition is the best teacher. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to, I'm going to say this a couple of times. The true disciple... I want you to just think for a minute. Do you want to be a true disciple? The true disciple walks in total obedience and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. A true disciple. If you want to be my disciple, you take up your cross and come and follow me. That true disciple walks in total obedience and total submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's an ongoing action. It, re it refers to being a constant follower of Jesus. I'm not just following Jesus on Sunday morning from 10.30 to 12. Oh, help us, Jesus. I said I'm not just following Jesus. And a true disciple will not just follow Jesus and say, I'm, I'm one of His just on Sunday morning at church. But you're going to be in total obedience to Him seven days a week. 
Hallelujah. When you leave this church, praise God, go, on, go about your business this week and you're a true follower of Jesus. You're going to be in obedience to Him every single day of your life. Amen. It's an ongoing action. And to be His follower and to be His disciple, we must have His help. Are you listening to me? See, so many people think that just, just repeating a prayer or going to church once in a while and maybe doing a few religious things are enough to get you to heaven. But I can tell you that it is much more than that. And there are millions today that are deceived into believing that because they walked an aisle one time, sometime down the road years ago and shook the hand of a preacher, but they're not following Jesus now. They think they're still going to be all right. But following Jesus and being a disciple is a day-to-day continual thing from the time you're born again till the time you lay down and draw your last breath or until the trump of Almighty God sounds and the rapture takes place. I want to have in this church, I want to be looking at some followers, some disciples, some committed folks that love Jesus more than they love the world, more than they love father or mother or brother or sister or son or daughter or anything else but want to be a disciple and love Jesus more than anything in this world. Woo! Jesus said you couldn't be his disciple if you loved anything or anyone more than you loved him. I think I better quit preaching and give an altar call. He said you must lose your life if you want to save it. What a paradox. What a mystery Jesus gives. Have you ever read those verses and thought, wonder what that means? Jesus isn't making any sense. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. How does that happen? I'm trying to save my life. I'm going to lose my life trying to save it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. That's that loser's keepers. See, we've got to lose our life in order to gain the Christ life. We've got to lose the carnal, natural life in order to gain the cross life. Is anybody here? See, this is how the believers to live. To live the Christ life, the cross life, which is the more abundant life. And when we talk about abundant life, it's not like some of the Word of Faith people have taken it and they've preached it and they've said, oh, He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And we're abundant life family church. But that abundant life doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. Doesn't mean you're going to drive a Mercedes Benz. Doesn't mean that you're going to live in a mansion somewhere on this earth. And God may bless you in that way and you might. But the abundant life, you know what that abundant life? That is the life of God that's overflowing on the inside of you. It's a life of victory. It's a life of separation. It's a life of joy and peace in the middle 
middle of the storm. You can lay down at night and go to sleep no matter what the devil's saying. Why? Because I've been to the cross and he's given me life and he's given me life more abundantly and I lost my old life and I lost the sinful life and I lost the flesh life and I've got new life in Jesus Christ. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm raised with him. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand up and just praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Lift your hands and praise Him. See, it's the blessed, the victorious, the overcoming life that we're living today through what Jesus has done at the cross. Amen. He gave us the motivation, church. He gave to you and I the motivation here. He said, he said that that we can live that abundant life. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. We can't afford to be ashamed of him today because there's a reward waiting for every single one of us who accept him, who live for him, who are his disciples. We may go through some rough places down here and we may have to separate ourselves from the pleasures of this world and there may be some ridicule and there may be some persecution and we may get talked about but I'm telling you one thing, it's gonna be worth it all when we stand in the presence of the Lord and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful fall over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Oh, hallelujah.